This is CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG. This podcast is powered by GarageFarm.net, a place where 3D cloud rendering is incredibly fast and cheap. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about computer graphics. My name is DJ, and I'm your host. And today on CG Talks, I'm, I'm privileged and excited to talk with Kei Jong Yim an architect by day and CG artist by night, as he describes himself. Uh, I hope we get to know so much more about him and his work during the podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kei John Yim. Can you tell us a few words about yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Kei John Yim. Uh, I'm an uh, architect and I, uh, I'm, a CG, I'm a CG artist as well at, by night, like my slogan says. And um, I grew up in Hong Kong, and I always has a fascination with um, with art and with buildings around me. And I got into um, 3D um, because uh, I was given an opportunity to get into digital art, basically, when I was studying in high school. And uh, I started looking into Photoshop Illustrator. Uh, 3D become apparent for me when I want to do perspective drawings, and uh, and since then it has become uh, really an inseparable part of my life. And uh, my online portfolio or my online persona really began uh, since COVID, and that uh, led me to here meeting uh, people online, and then eventually uh, getting onto this podcast. Yeah, great. Uh, so, as you mentioned, like uh, your portfolio and uh, taking a look at uh, your portfolio on the art station, uh, I could feel that this is a work uh, done by an, an architect. Because, uh, yeah. you know, the architecture is like a background hero, like uh, background hero of your uh, artworks. And uh, how do you marry these two worlds, like the imaginative fantasy artist and the architect? Uh, do you really show? Like, and you don't really show a typical architect's portfolio on, online. Are you personally and emotionally more into that night persona of yours? Yeah. So, uh, so when, uh, so originally, as like I said, my uh, as you refer to my night persona, really only began when because of COVID. With time freed up from my daily commute, I treated that as an opportunity to learn as much as possible with the original goal of applying everything I learned back to work. Um, and so I set, I set a schedule to learn one thing every week, be it a software or a plugin, and then applying it to a project and then publishing it online. I gradually introduced a fantasy element to my work because I want my personal works to belong to its own category rather than being lumped into a large pool of ArcVis renders online, uh, and plus it is a lot of fun. Uh, as to how I marry the two worlds together, I usually first create an environment based in reality. Let's just say that accounts for 80% of the image, and then I would then fit in the rest with whatever fantasy elements I see fit into the environment. Um, I'm a huge fan of anime. Uh, which I, which we can talk more about later. Uh, that is also where I draw a lot of my inspiration. Uh, and this is, of course, not a straightforward process. It usually takes up to like hundreds of iterations and on average about three to four months to get to the result that I like. 
And to your question that why I don't have a, a normal architect's portfolio is simply because uh, the professional work that I uh, that I worked on are all under NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, which is why I can't uh, share them publicly. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a situation that many many CG artists face, like the, that they. Uh, they have to do their own private projects just to have something to show in the portfolio because a lot of work is NDA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the architecture uh, as well. Like I read a lot of uh, maybe I call it romantic nostalgia for like stylized architecture, baroque, classical, or like generally stylish architecture. Um, and fashion from the era before modernism. Like I wanted to ask you, is it because your daily work involves like modern architecture or maybe it's like your thing, this uh, retro architecture, or is there anything more behind this? Yeah, so a lot of people think that I actually do my work, uh, focus a lot on classical architecture because that's because I want to separate, um, I, I want to get away from work, but uh, it is actually the opposite. In fact, my professional work got me into classic architecture in the first place. A lot of the projects that I worked on are high-end residential projects, which are usually in a style of classic architecture without all the ornaments and the decorations. But uh, there are two main reasons why I focus a lot on classic architecture. Number one is because classic architecture, Baroque in particular, are technically more challenging and the most satisfying to model. The second reason is that classic architecture, unlike modern architecture, which basically only began in the 20th century, have withstood the test of time for centuries as in its aesthetics, space proportion, and structure. So my thought is, if I'm going to spend the time to learn the software and to model, uh, might as well model and replicate classic architecture to learn from the old masters. And in fact, I've actually learned more about design or and architectural details through modeling and replicating classic architecture in the past three years compared to my time at university, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that also involves like a lot of a lot of craftsmans craftsmanship, I'd, I'd say, because uh, the old architecture was uh, like it involved a lot of handwork by by uh, masons and uh, all the um, all the hand workers of like art art workers that were involved in creation of this. And that gets me to a question that I, I'm thinking: like you are also modeling your uh, your um, architectural parts, and it's also like a like a manual work, so to speak in a way yeah. but nowadays uh, there's like a whole wave of ai and trying to automate everything like for machines to do really everything uh, for humans so to speak uh, like what's your take on that uh, on that wave and uh, like are you are you into that you know people who are scared of losing their jobs or do you think that this is something else or or, or is there more value in handwork than just you know tedious process but do you see anything positive in this i am very conflicted about ai uh i've been listening to a lot of uh other people's opinions through a podcast and youtube videos about ai very recently 
on one hand, I think AI and AI-powered softwares are fascinating. I personally have used AI to interpolate and denoise my animations years before the recent hype. And of course, I've tried as much, uh, as many generative AIs as I could get my hands on, more specifically um, texture to image AIs like Midjourney, DALI, and Stable Diffusion. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I don't really see the AI as a tool. Uh, I know this might be controversial, but I see them actually as replacements for artists. I think, and let me explain, <laughs> I think the copyright um, of the data set uh, used for training these AIs are questionable, uh, but let's just put that aside. Um, Midjourney alone in the past four months has improved so much that, um, and not to mention that the AI models that Google and Google and Facebook are currently training will be capable of letting you just type in the line and produce an entire video. Um, another uh, AI model like GPT-3 already allowed uh, AI to write poetry, lyrics, essay much better than the average person. So it is really not hard to imagine a world where generative AIs are completely automated, where they write their own prompts and post images on your Instagram timeline based on your taste. Uh, I got to say AI has ruined a, uh, ruined a lot of, the, of uh, social media for me because whenever I open Pinterest, it is just an entire page of AI image. Uh, so when one day, I think when every image that we come across online be becomes generated by AI, the artistry and the craftsmanship that most of us appreciate today will be devalued a lot. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I'm fascinated, but also, uh, found it quite disturbing at the same time. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you have talked to a lot more artists about this. Yeah, we, uh, regarding it, 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 it's the topic that kind of naturally comes up because it's lately everywhere in the media, and we're kind of as, as artists, we are all affected affected by this. And I think this is like this is a kind of a revolution, like technological revolution that reminds me of um, of times. Uh, reminds me, you no, know, I've just read about this because it was like a century ago when the all the industrial revolution and automation in production and and the modern architecture that was also like the result of this uh, industrial revolution and the thinking about you know doing things uh, in a new way uh, automating processes and it, it made a lot of things that were uh, needed before uh, obsolete or or they yeah. had to change like all, all the all the and there was there was also art movements that were kind of contrary to that, like the crafts, uh, arts and crafts movement, and like some nostalgia of the past. But this also gave like a new new look at uh, you know. There's a different value that we put into something that's uh, that's uh, mass produced and uh, a different value or different things that we expect from like things that are unique and. Uh, thoughtful you know the, even art changed because uh, all the conceptual artists things like that they they would have never been possible be before that probably because yeah. the the craft was needed really and after you know the photography all the inventions 
this, this just like forced people to think about what art is really for. Like, why, why do we do this? And uh, I think the AI thing is also kind of making people question, why do we even do art? Why do we do 3D renders, right? Is, is it just <laughs> yeah. to replicate the reality or to say something more? Like maybe the tools that we are involving so much time into the tools, they're not, you know, they're just tools, right? But why do we do it and how we do it? That's the question right now. Yeah, I, I think that you mentioned like a, a, a pretty interesting thing about Pinterest that AI is ruining this because right now, like all the AIs are trained are trained on something that has been created by humans before. Yep. And this is kind of like a finite pool of artworks. It seems huge and maybe in, like too huge to imagine, but it's finite. And like, of course, AI can produce some new variations and stuff like that, but. Uh, Probably this would be a, a totally different AI that's trained on the the data set that's right now and the data set that would be possible in 50 years from now with more yeah. human-made art. And it's pretty interesting like how it will all evolve, right? Uh, the current the current systems and will, will there be like separate branches? Well, I don't have answers like more questions than answers, even talking about this with many artists. It seems like the more we dive into the topic, the more questions arise. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I have, I, I have a lot more questions and yeah, I, I'm, I'm very conflicted, I must say, but maybe we can like get back in a couple of years and everything, everything could have changed. I might be doing something else completely than, uh, entirely different than what I'm doing today. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm just like trying to, to uh, there's there's also visual artists that are comparing the situation with vis visual artists, like their work being scraped by the algorithms and there's a different situation in the music industry, for example. It's a little bit more, you know, law protected. The copyright thing is like a little bit longer going on than in the visual arts so that, uh, you know, the AIs, in music industry are not that big of a deal yet, probably because of these law issues. Uh, but there's also like uh, there's also like the production value that's uh, that's allowed for musical production. For example, right now uh, you can be a total uh, you, you don't have to be able to sing clearly or, or um, clean sounds. Uh, everything can be then post produced in the computer. In the computer, like it seems to be you know. A lot of automation in the process of of music production, but still, it's uh, like there's a lot of people that really want to go for the raw sound of a live musician. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. That it's like the AI can produce some some area of you know of uh, creation, but then there's also always going to be a need for this human part in this. Uh, in this whole process, because that's why uh, why art is created in the first place, right? So that a human can communicate communicate with other humans, and maybe there, this yeah. will be like a two separate areas of art, right? Like computer generated art and and human based art. That's yeah. just my I, thought. I I hope so. I I hope I I I really hope that. Um, uh, AI AI art could be a separate category from uh, rather than rather than simply just replacing 
every other irreplacing uh, or imitating every other category like um there's a um there's a sort of a new a new type of um very ai specific art that is having generating different frames and then blending them interpolating them together that is starting starting to pop up on uh on social, social media i think i think that is uh very special and uh quite uh, and a lot more interesting than say uh, people using mid-journey to replicate uh, some traditional uh, or oil painting but um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see probably what it, what comes out of it yeah uh, but while this is happening uh, let's maybe talk about you know an artist doing things uh, just for himself like to improve improve his workflow like you mentioned you wanted to learn new softwares new things try out uh, different areas and i've seen that you've participated also in a lot of online community challenges uh, like mm-hmm. cg boost challenge or punishers uh, the pinton jones uh, youtube channel um uh, infinite journeys i've seen your work there yeah uh, so which one of these challenges did you enjoy most or like learn most from maybe can you tell us about your experience this kind of thing this is actually a hard question because a lot of the work that i've done is simply hard for me to look back at uh just because whenever i look back at them uh retrospectively i know i can i can do a lot better now and a lot of the a lot of the time i wish i could have put uh, i put more time uh rather than rushing them out for uh for the uh, especially for a competition say but if i have to pick one it would be the magician uh it is the one with the blonde uh, lady dancing in the golden gallery which i think which i think have a good balance among architecture character uh and fantasy it it also encapsulated everything i love about cg is uh be that uh, the medium being able or allow me to replicate and or cheat reality however I want. Like, uh, for instance, I use a lot of uh, fake lighting uh, so that the gold blinks a lot more than it us- than it would in reality. Um, and also, I believe that is by far one of the longest running projects of all the ones that I've published, which took about six to seven months. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty long for through the artwork. Yeah. This podcast is powered by garagefarm.net. Visit our webpage and check out our rendering solutions. Talking a little bit more about your artworks, um, I find that they are quite, you know, they, they're using a lot of, um, I would call it quite cinematic composition, lighting uh, with some moody, moody lighting settings that remind me of, of cinematic approach and um, Mm, I wanted to ask about your inspirations. Like, uh, do you get inspiration for, from this kind of, uh, from like you mentioned, anime and maybe cinema, or what are some artists that you look up to, like your your yeah. art heroes that inspire your art? Yeah, so I I actually don't look at uh, Archivist or CG at all for inspiration. <laughs> In fact, I actively try to avoid looking at other CG work unless it is a Pixar movie, for instance. Uh, compositionally, I 
I took a lot of inspiration from Wes Anderson movies. Um, uh, one of the most famous one, uh, or my favorite one, is actually Budapest Hotel, uh, which is very famous for its meticulous symmetrical shots. I personally like them very much because his works really stand out from the rest of the movies nowadays. A lot of which cinematography are basically just coverage and an afterthought. Um, Lighting-wise, I learned uh, a lot mostly by watching movie B-rolls. Um, uh, one person that I looked up to a lot is Roger Deakins, who was the DP for Blade Runner and uh, 1917 and Skyfall, just to name a few. And, uh, and, and his principle is basically just simple lighting and use as little artificial lighting as possible. And that's what I, that I, that's what I always aspire to do, even though, uh, I, I still sometimes, uh, struggle with using uh, very simple lighting and, and tend to cheat quite a bit. Um, my, and, uh, yeah, and my camera motions are actually inspired by anime, like you, uh, like, uh, like you said, um, and more notably anime produced by Shaft Studio, uh, which include, um, uh, anime include Bakemono Gatari, the case study of Vanitas, and more recently, the Call of the Night. They have some very iconic, uh, slow motion head turns or hair movements, which are very, I find very unique and very mesmerizing, um, in, in anime. And uh, which, of course, I have to try to replicate that in in CG. Mm, so, kind of, um, you could say that your uh, artwork, like you mentioned, that you grew up in Hong Kong, so it's kind yeah. of like a clash of clash of cultures. With a lot of inspiration from uh, Asia, and uh, you live in London, so it's kind of like, uh, and the architecture that you use is a lot of uh, has a lot of European. Uh, Heritage, but not 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 uniquely. Like I've seen some Asian architecture as well. So yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's pre that makes it pretty unique because yeah, it's it's like a worldwide worldwide, but you know, like a clash of east and west. Um, it produces pretty interesting results, I think. And so, does this art work of yours bring bring you any income, or is it just a labor of love? For now, yeah, it is purely is purely a labor of love. Even though I I do get sponsors occasion occasionally, um, they all just eventually goes uh, into funding my rent farm budget or my software subscriptions. As a sense, now it is not a source of income. I've thought about monetizing my work through, uh, say, Patreon uh, tutorials, but then everything in CG is moving in such a fast pace that, uh, and especially AI with AI now. So tutorials about using softwares are almost guaranteed to become obsolete in, in like a year. Um, so I might change my opinion on about this, about creating tutorials, but, um, but uh, as it stands now, I it is a all of the projects that I do. It is just um, a process that I very much enjoy and um, and very meditative. Um, a way that I try to try to relax and um, and uh, 
get away from um get away from uh work get away from all the bad news nowadays mm. yeah exactly like uh like on the topic of monetization i've seen some of your work being sold uh, or uh, listed on the nft markets that was like a super hyped topic uh like half year half a year ago and then the crypto crash happened so it kind of quieted down but um, after the rise and fall of this hype let's call it yeah. um, do you see like nfts being still like a relevant uh, source of income or like a way for artists to monetize their work or is it uh, is the future elsewhere i think the technology blockchain technology is, is very promising but NFT has, has gained such a bad reputation by its association with cryptocurrencies or rather a lot of bad actors within the crypto community who only sees NFT as a money grab. Um, a case in point is about a year ago, the there's a very popular trend, the 10,000 uh, NFT trend where people are basically putting little to zero effort at all uh, and, and selling like very um like uh like tiny iterations of one single nft at ridiculous prices and as a result the the nft bubble popped um so and and more recently the collapse of the second largest crypto exchange um will deter a lot of people from uh buying cryptocurrencies and of course buying nfts at least in the coming year i think so I so I don't see NFT going mainstream anytime soon, um, uh, which will also depend very much dependent on uh, future legislations, things like that. Yeah, so generally, uh, we can see that uh, nothing is certain in these times for an artist, which maybe maybe makes it uh, like an interesting time to live in. I'm hoping like there, there's this famous Chinese proverb, right? Uh, we hope like, may you live in, in interesting times, right? Or something like in the lines of it. So I think we do, we do live in, in interesting times for artists. And I'm really hoping that, you know, that all these AI, NFT, all those waves, shockwaves that go through the art world, they won't uh, kill us, uh, you know, kill our urge to, to make art. Because like I've seeing your artworks, I think it gives a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of value to both you as a creator and uh, the audience that uh, can watch it and uh, enjoy it and get inspired by it. Like I mentioned, this challenge of uh, Clinton Jones uh, with these mega montages of, of uh, different artists doing takes on on a single topic. I think it was like it was mind blowing. Like there are a lot of experienced artists and all, a lot of beginners but watching all of these different original takes i'm getting like a totally different vibe than than just watching the uh, the ai generated imagery even though it's also like so uh, it's it's flooding the internet right but i'm seeing that there's there's a lot of more, more a lot more originality i think still this is a question whether ai can be original in the end, or is it just uh, something that can kind of like mix whatever creative work humans do? But that's, I think that's, uh, 
that's the thing that would yeah. require like a whole a whole episode of philosophical debate for a whole uh, whole podcast of itself, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe uh, to sum up this hmm, this part of our conversation before we go into into the second uh, part uh, that I wanted to focus more on the technical side and uh, the the craft, so to speak. Uh, I maybe let's uh, tell the audience where they can find your artworks. They can enjoy watching your creations online. Follow your your work. Yeah. So currently, I uh, I'm mo I'm most active on YouTube. I'm uh, trying to grow my YouTube channel by uh, very very slowly. Uh, so you can find me uh, at uh, k underscore John Yim on. Um, on YouTube, um, same uh, same handle on Instagram. Uh, you can find uh, you, if you search for my full name, K John Yim. You can find me on ArtStation. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you um, if you want to support my art, uh, I I very much appreciate if you could subscribe to my YouTube uh, channel or my ArtStation or Instagram. Um, yeah, thanks. I've, I've already followed your channel and uh, art station, so I'm hoping our audience also does that and uh, and support you in your artistic journey and maybe get inspired by it and uh, maybe they will do also their own artworks. Uh, so I guess we can call this part done and um, I'm hoping that you all uh, join us in the second part of the conversation that we'll be discussing the tools, the, the 3D programs and all the technical nitty-gritty of 3D artists work. Thank you. <laughs>